Samuel 3. If you, if you happen to see the email this morning, uh, we've, been doing, we've been talking about our identity in Christ. I'm going to take a short pause. We're going to talk about fathers today in honor of Father's Day. And I'm um, going to do that from 1 Samuel here, uh, chapter number 3. Um, and while you're getting there, let me just pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it is not just a history book. That it doesn't just give us a bunch of facts. The facts are important, Lord, and it's completely factual, but it speaks to our hearts and our lives. It, it um, Lord, your words, it, it says it pierces to the to dividing the marrow from the bone, Lord. It, it, thank you that your word is ever living and that it is able to change us and able to point us towards you. Lord, help me today. Help me to speak uh, not only your words and the facts, but Lord, let me um, have your words to speak to everyone's hearts. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be in... 1 Samuel 3. I need to set this up just a little bit, though, uh, before we actually get into the chapter. Um, Samuel, the uh, book of 1 Samuel, comes right at the end of the Judges. Uh, it, do you all, have you heard of the Judges cycle? Um, if you remember with the Judges, what, what happens is um, Israel kind of goes, take, they take a left turn, and they get off following after either... Uh, people or other gods, or and and God gives them over to the hands of their enemies, right? And then they go, "Boy, we've sinned, we've blown it." And God raises up a judge, and the the judge will help them out, right? And they go, "Oh, this is great! Praise God! Praise God!" And as soon as the judge dies, they go, "God, who?" Right? And they go the other direction, and then then they go, "Oh boy, we've really sinned, we've blown it again." And then uh, they'll they'll repent, and God will raise up another judge, and then the whole cycle just keeps on going over and over and over. And how many judges are there, girls? They can name them, but they don't. Um, so what, what we find is in First Samuel, uh, it's towards the end of that time of the judges. Um, the second to the last judge is a man named Eli. Eli is um, of the high priestly descent. It looks like that he is a descendant of Aaron's um, uh, youngest kid. You know, Aaron is the high priest. The high priest is supposed to go in his house. Um, with every, he's supposed to go to the third, but somehow or another, and people don't know how, this is, uh, Eli is from his fourth, Aaron's fourth child, um, named Ithamar, Okay. And somehow Eli has gotten into the high priesthood. So he, it looks like, from all we can tell, he is high priest and judge. Now Eli is, if you will, a mixed character. Uh, he, it doesn't look like he is all bad, but it doesn't look like he's either all good either. Um, what we find is that he is uh, somewhat tolerant of his two sons. His sons, um, Hophni and Phineas, are, are abhorrent. They are, are terrible. They, um, they are in the lineage of the priesthood, so they are, 
quote-unquote serving with their father. But what they will do is they would, they would come along and, and people would come to sacrifice. And um, what they had to do when they sacrificed is they would, they would burn off the fat for God. Or they would um, you know, bring a, a, a boiled offering. And, and um, Eli's two sons would come and they would, they would steal that offering before that it was time. In essence, what they were doing was they were stealing from God. Big no-no. Don't do that, please, okay? Don't steal from God. He doesn't like it very much. Um, But not only that, they would, uh, it said that they would sleep with the women at the temple. Actually, it was tabernacle. It says temple there, but it's really still the the tabernacle at Shiloh. So the temple hasn't been built under Solomon yet. All right, so don't think, you know, big building edifice. Think tent still. Okay, um, and so they would they would sleep with uh, women um, right there at the tabernacle entrance. Big no no, don't do that either. Okay, and not not good to be doing that. God's displeased very much with um, Hophni and Phineas, and Eli. Oh, we'll get into that in just a moment. Um, the story in Samuel though starts with um, a, a gentleman Elkanah and his. Uh, one of his wives, whose name is Hannah. And Hannah is his favored wife, and she does not have any children. Can't have any children. And so she goes at one of the sacrifice times, one of the high, um, uh, the feast times, and is praying to the Lord there at the tabernacle. And Eli sees her, and he, he, he thinks she's drunk because she's really pouring her heart out. She, she's, I, I, can, I can just kind of in my mind see her crying, it says that she's praying in her heart, but her lips are moving. And, and he starts to rebuke her and says, Woman, what are you doing? This is bad. You're supposed to be drunk and, and here at the, at, the, at the feast and, and, and here at the tabernacle. And she says, oh, No, 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 no. You don't understand. I'm pouring my heart out to the Lord. It's, it's not what you think. And he, he changes really quickly and he says, uh, you know, May you be blessed and may the Lord hear and answer your prayer. And the Lord gives her a little baby, Samuel. And in turn, she says, I am going to dedicate this child to God. So as soon as he's weaned, you know, and don't know the exact time frame, but you know, two, maybe, she takes him up with a sacrifice to the next feast, and she gives him over to Eli. That's, I, I, I'm sorry, I love my kids. I'm not sure I could do that. I love the Lord. I'm not sure I could say, yeah, okay, here. Pastor, here, I want you to have my kid. I'll, I'll, I'll visit you every once a year. But she does. She's, she's a, I, I'm going to give him over and let him minister to the Lord. So Eli takes little Samuel into his care. And then what you see here is this major contrast in chapter 2 where um, it talks about, in verse 12 and, and following, it talks about Eli's sons. Um, and I, I gave you what it says. It says, um, uh, uh, the sin of the young men was very great. This is verse 17, talking about Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. The, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for the men despised the offering of the Lord. But then the very next verse, what, what you have is, now Samuel was ministering before the Lord as a boy wearing a linen ephod. His mother would make him a, uh, a robe and bring it to him year to year. So you've got this 
this contrast between um, Eli's two worthless kids and Samuel. Hophni and Phineas, who are terrible. And then you have Samuel. And I, I believe the Lord does this on purpose. Um, and see, then look at verse 22. Um, Eli rebukes his kids, starting in verse 22. Um, said, you shouldn't do these evil things that I hear from all the people. And then um, it says uh, in verse 25, if one man sins against another, God will mediate for him. But if a man sins against the Lord, you're robbing God. You're sinning not just against men, but you're sinning against God himself. Um, who can intercede for him? It says, but they would not listen to the voice of their father, for the Lord desired to put them to death. But look at the contrast. Now the boy Samuel was growing in stature and in favor both with the Lord and with men. You got it. You got it. You recognize there's a, a New Testament verse. But you, see the, you see the contrast there? Um, then a, a man comes to Eli, a, a prophet. It doesn't, he's not named. Tells him basically that you are, um, you know, your sons are a mess. And because of it, um, you're, the priesthood is going to be taken away. That your sons are going to die on the same day, and and it's so. Listen up. All right, that's basically in a real nutshell the rest of chapter two. And then let's look at chapter three. Here's the contrast again. All right, Let's see, I was, I was showing you the contrast. Hophni and Phineas, but Samuel. Hophni and Phineas, but Samuel. Chapter 3, verse 1. The boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli. And word from the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. Samuel means, um, I believe, means here's, here's, um, here's from the Lord, which is interesting. Uh, it happened at that time as Eli was lying down in his place. Now his eyesight had begun to grow dim and he could not see well. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. Then he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli, he said, Eli, Eli, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said to him, Here I am, for you called me. But he answered, I didn't call you, my, my son, Lie down again. So Samuel did not yet. Uh, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. So the Lord called Samuel again for the third time, and he rose and he went to Eli and said, "Here I am, for you called me." And Eli discerned that the Lord was calling the boy. Eli said to Samuel, "Go lie down, and it shall be if he calls you that you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening." So Samuel went. And lay down in his place. And the Lord um, came and stood and called at, as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. The Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which both ears and, and of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will carry out against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to judge 
his house forever for the iniquity which he knew, because his sons brought a curse on themselves, and he did not rebuke them. Therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel lay down until morning, and he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, but Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, said, here I am. There it is again. So what is the word that he spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the words that he spoke to you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew and, and the uh, Lord was with him and let none of his words fail. Now, something that, that struck me here is that God could have answered, he could have called Samuel in whatever voice that he wanted to use. He's God, right? He could have had that big booming voice that shook everything, right? And, and shook Samuel awake and, and made him you know, fear for his life and fall down on his face and go, oh, woe is me, I'm, you know, I'm dead for I've heard the voice of God. God. He could have done that, right? He could have, like, just like with Elijah, he could, have spoke, he could have spoken in the whirlwind or the fire, still small voice, but he chose to speak to Samuel in a voice that sounded like the voice of his father the voice of his spiritual father. Not really his natural father, but the dad who was really raising him, who was the, the, the spiritual father in the house. God chose to speak in the way that it sounded like his father. And what Samuel do? It doesn't say this, so I'm, I'm kind of assuming a little bit. I'll, I'll admit that up front. But Samuel hopped up, here I am, three times. I can imagine, how many times had that happened over the years? Then Eli said, Samuel, and he's hopped up and said, here I am, what do you need me to do? Samuel, yes sir, here I am, where do I need to go? Samuel, yes sir, here I am. Once again, you see the contrast between Hophni and Phineas and Samuel. Where Hophni and Phineas said that they disregarded the words of their dad. Whereas Samuel is showing that he regarded the words of his dad. He heard and he jumped up. Now, this is some, let me take a little trip aside. It's really inter interesting. Um, uh, Samuel is called twice. Uh, his name is used together. You know, Samuel, Samuel, by God. And there's only a handful of people that happen to in the uh, in the Bible. Um, can you anybody name those? We, we talked about it. It's I don't know two and a half years ago. Anybody remember? 
No, it's okay. Um, so some of the one Moses, <clears throat> Moses, Moses, right? Abraham, I believe it's another Abraham, Abraham, uh, Samuel, Samuel, uh, uh, Martha, Martha, uh, to Peter, right? Simon, Simon, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven, right? Um, a couple that we don't think of, though, is um, when God calls his own name. God did this for himself on the mountain when Moses was up on the mountain and trying to intercede for the Israelites um, after the golden calf incident. He said, uh, God himself says, Yahweh, Yahweh, uh, who, who is um, forgiving and long-suffering and willing to forgive and to hold those accountable for generation, but to, to also forgive those. And what it, what it symbolizes is a, as a change, a, a calling, if you will, a change in person, a change in direction, a calling. Of course, you also know when God the Son calls on God the Father on the cross. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Of course, Jesus was about to be called for a change, right? To die and to rise again and to have a new calling. So this is Samuel's calling. Um, and he's, right before there, it said that he, um, he didn't know God yet, but all of a sudden now he becomes a, the... He's the last of the judges, the first of the prophets, and um, he's also functioning in the high priestly role. It's a lot, very similar to Jesus. He's a, very much a type of Christ because it, um, he is not of high priestly descent. He's not of ironic descent, he, but yet he, is fun, he functions as the high priest. He um, is, is a, a new, this new thing called the prophet. It, He's ruling Israel. He's functioning as the high priest. He is a prophetic voice. He's the one that anoints Saul and anoints David. Very much a, um, a type of Christ here because it, it's this new thing that God has done by calling Samuel. Samuel, Samuel. You know, as we... Um, what, what we see with Samuel is, is when we... Listen and learn to listen to our fathers. And I'm going to say fathers because we have, we all have a natural father, right? Mm-hmm. We should also have spiritual dads. When we learn to listen to our fathers, we're actually learning to listen to God. When we learn to listen to our fathers, we're learning to listen to God. Now, let me take this pause to say, some of you had great dads, and praise God for it. I had a, I've still got a great dad. I, I love him. Um, we, you know, I often call him up on the phone and say, "Hey, Dad, what do you think about this?" Or, or "Dad, I've got a question for you." Um, dad, how um, how about those Sooners? We talk football a lot. We talk, we talk a lot during uh, college football season. Um, but I, I was thinking even this morning, my my dad and I we used to uh, go out. We 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 had this. I think we developed a lot of our relationship on the golf course. We'd go out and we'd play golf together. And just, we've got a great dad. I know some people don't. 
Eli was a flawed dad. He was a flawed father. Okay, we need to recognize that with Samuel. Samuel was serving a flawed father. The word that Samuel got, can you, ima- can you imagine? You're a kid, and the, word that, the, the, the first word that God speaks to you is go and tell your dad, spiritual dad in this sense, go and tell him he's cursed and everything that he's had is he's going to lose. <laughs> All right? Eli's flawed, but Samuel is serving him, and he learns to listen and to, to, to jump when Eli says jump to serve him, to serve a flawed father, and God uses that to say, here, listen to me. So, how is it that we're supposed to listen to our fathers, earthly fathers, father in the faith, Let me first let me address that a little bit. What what do you do if you have a a flawed father, very much like like Samuel did? Because Samuel served and he served well and he served. Um, it, it looks everything that we can tell. He 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 was submissive and he did what was right in the Lord's eyes. The, you know, the greatest example I can think of is someone who served a, a flawed father is David. Under Saul, you don't get much more flawed when your dad takes a spear and throws it at you, right? And then you you leave and your dad comes hunting for you. I'm going to kill that guy, right? Anybody had your dad say, I'm going to kill that guy, right? Probably not. I know I know somebody who has, but they're, they've been reconciled, right? Twice! You know, David is able to, to, to confront Saul and say, look, I'm not doing this. He said, okay, you're, 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 you're a better man than I am. Then Saul comes after him again. So what did David do? What did Samuel do with a flawed father? Well, if you look with David, he had to remove himself. But at the same time, he still served. He didn't. He didn't ever retaliate against Saul. In fact, it's amazing that when some, a, a guy thought, an Amalekite thought he was helping Saul die when Saul had fallen on his, his spear and was not dead yet, he kills him. And then he goes to David and said, Hey, you know what? I've done this. Saul's fallen. And David kills him. Then Saul's son thinks he has the kingdom. Right? Saul, uh, uh, Saul's son and David are fighting back and forth. And some, people, um, some guys go in and, and kill Saul's son and go uh, tell David, here, I've killed, we've killed him. You're the king. And what does David do? He kills the guys. Right? Why? Because David was a son that served even a bad father. He had to remove himself. But he didn't rip the kingdom off, you know, out from underneath him. He didn't go and, and tell everybody, hey, this dude is bad you know, get out from underneath him, right? He just left and let God take care of the rest. When, when he had the opportunity to, to hurt Saul, you know, a couple different times, when, when Saul 
went into the cave and David was there and he, he just, all he did was he cut off part of his robe and said, hey, I could have killed you. Or when Saul was asleep and they went and they took a spear in, in the, the, the jug next to him. said, that could have killed you again. But I didn't do it. He continually served. He did right and did good even when his father, his spiritual father, and it, you, if you look there, it, there's this, you know, um, Saul answers David and says, is that you, my son, David? Yes, it is. Right? So if you have a bad father, natural father, spiritual father, you may have to remove yourself, but that, mean, that doesn't mean you knock out his legs from underneath him. You're still one that, uh, that is serving, still loving, still doing all, always doing the right thing. Um, so, the next step is, how, how do you listen to one of these fathers? Number one, do you listen? He said, Hophni and Phinehas didn't listen. They didn't listen to the voices of the Lord. So, when I'm saying, do you, do you listen at all? You know, do you listen for the instruction? Do you listen... Do you, do you do you go to your dad, whether that is your physical father or your spiritual father, say, "Hey, I've got a question. Will you um, can, can I bounce this off of you? Do you do you listen when they are uh, when they when they speak to you, or do you just say, "No, I I don't want I don't want to even hear. I don't want to hear the voice of my father." Do you take warnings and instruction or do you disregard them? You know, if you've had kids, um, you know that a lot of times you give kids warnings. Don't touch the stove. That's hot. If you do this, you're going to have some consequences. And maybe not consequences by us, but you touch the stove, you will get burned. Right, or if you uh, you know there, there's stuff um, there's stuff that happens very regularly, you know I want you to do this, and not necessarily because it's something you know I you've got to do, but if you don't do it this way, things are going to get messed up. Your clothes are going to get messed up, or you're going to mess up something in the house, or you you're going to you're going to ruin dinner. Okay, do it in this this order: bump, a bump, a bump. Right. And if the kids do not take those, then something gets messed up, right? Sometimes it's the kids. <laughs> so, you know, that's one thing that, that parents and dads do. They give the warnings. Here's the boundaries. And a good father wants their kids to, like I said, a good father wants their kids to grow up and to grow up well, right? They want them to grow up and to be everything that, that, that they can be. They're, they're, the hope of a good father is not that their kids will, will grow up and be like them. The hope of a good father is that their kids will grow up and stand on their shoulders and do more, right? Not just, hey, I want you to attain to my level. It's no, 
if you will listen to me, you can start at my level and go higher. And so a good father, the boundaries that they give are going to be, hey, look, I've tried this before. If you get outside of this, things don't work. Are we willing to listen to those good fathers? Or when they give boundaries, do you say, you know what, that, that sounds like the law. You know, and I, it makes my, my spirit rebel, my flesh rebel. When you hear the law, I'm, I'm going to test that and see. So do we regard the voice of our fathers or do we disregard? You know, I'm glad I've got, not only my, my dad, but I've got spiritual fathers that, that I, will, I will talk to. I'll say, hey, wh- what about this? And they'll say, you know what, this is what I think you should do. I'll go, thank you. Yeah, so what about this situation? What, when you've been faced with this, what do you do? Okay, good, thank you. That, that, that way I don't have to make the same mistakes. I get to, I get to stand on top of your shoulders instead of, instead of making those mistakes myself, right? Do you listen? Do you, do you regard those things? Um, uh, when, you, when, they, when they speak, do you, <clears throat> excuse me, do you receive? Are you open? Or are you close-hearted? Are you open-hearted or close-hearted? Or let me say it this way. Do you, do you listen with a receiving heart or are you full of criticism? Let me, let me just tell you about myself. I, um, in school, I was, I was trained to critique sermons. Honest, honestly, and that's what we did in class. That's how we, that's how we did class. You know, you'd, you'd, somebody would give a sermon and, and the, the professor would say, okay, class, how'd they do? What did they do well? So this is what you did well. You, you're, um, you're articulate. You, you pronounced things well. You made your points well. You uh, did this really well. Okay, class, what did they not do well? Well, you could have done better with this. You did that, all right? We listened to sermons from um, you know, major national prominent pastors. Okay, what did they do well? Well, they did this. What did they, they do wrong? Well, they missed it here, here. So let me tell you, I can criticize, I can critique a sermon with the best of them. But you know what? I need, I personally have to do, I have to turn that off. I have to turn it off. And I have to, it's a conscious choice to say, okay, look, because um, I'll hear something from a, from a sermon and I'll go, oh, they missed that there, and they missed that there. no. No, quit it. What are they trying to say? Is this something that, that they are speaking that I can receive into my heart? And you know, with, with our dads, whether it's our physical dads, with our spiritual fathers, whether it's listening to a sermon or, or um, going to somebody for, for counsel, you know, we can sit there and we can, and we can critique everything that they say. Or we can open up our hearts and say, okay, look, they love me and they want the best for me. How can I receive this? Even if it's hard. Even if they say something a little bit wrong. How can I receive this? Because Receive the love that they have for me. 
So do we receive it with openness or do we receive it close-hearted? You know, it kind of follows into my um, my my next point. It's um, when a father speaks, do we receive it with grace or we get offended? And uh, this is, I, I'm sure I can find some biblical examples, but I know um, even a, it's been a couple, three weeks ago, I was um, on a phone call with um, John Alley, and um, they have different, uh, it's, it's a, he does a, a son's phone call. Um, so people from all over the world, um, they're just getting on the phone call and just, just chatting on, over Zoom. And what came up was um, the, uh, that God gives opportunities with a spiritual father and a father-son relationship, mother-daughter relationship, for that person to get offended, for the son to get offended. And God will do this, and he will test you. So let me just, okay, can, can, I, listen, can I give you the, the, uh, a little nugget? And, you, and I'll, you can refer to the few, previous few points, okay? God will test you. And he will, there will be an opportunity with a spiritual father, with a physical father, to get offended. But it's what you do with that. Are you going to respond in grace? Are you going to respond with offense? Because what, what God will do is, is he will say, okay, is, is this... Is this, this um, man or this woman, are they going to be a real son or a real daughter? When, when it, the going gets tough, when there's a little bit of fire underneath them, how are they going to respond? Are they going to buck up and say, no way? You know what? I quit. I'm getting rid of this spiritual father. I'm going to go find another one. Or are they going to say, you know what? I'm just going to give it grace. I'm going to give it grace. I'm going to see what, you know, Maybe they said something wrong. Maybe they said something I didn't quite agree with. But you know what? I know they love me. And I'm going to keep on pressing forward. And just I'm going to, I'm going to give a lot of grace here. And, and people were talking about that and how on this phone call, how they, um, uh, a couple of them had gotten, uh, there was something that, that John Alley had done that they got offended at. And they got really miffed. And one of them, he was like, I never heard this before. Like, yeah, I don't even remember what it was now, but I was upset. <laughs> they said, I recognized it, and I realized that it was just the, the enemy trying to come in and bring an offense. And so I, I just said, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, just receive everything in love. I'm going to give love back. I'm going to give grace back. I'm going to choose not to be offended. I'm going to forgive. I'm not even going to address it. I'm just going to know that he loves me. I'm going to love him back. And I'm going to go forward. So, are you going to receive in grace or offense? Let me tell you, it's a big one. Because God tests that way. God tests. Are you going to be offended? Or are you going to be gracious? And when you get through with that, when you, when you, when you get over that test, it gives a lot more freedom and it gives a lot more love and you, you take a, a giant leap forward in the faith.
and God gives you more. But those, offen- those chances for offense will come. They will. But it's a matter of whether we're going to take those chances and, and, and meet them with grace or we're going to meet them with offense. And the last one we've talked about already, are you going to, with, oh, are you going to listen, are you going to respond with obedience or rebellion? Hophni and Phineas, it was with rebellion. Dad says, don't do this, I'm going to do it anyway, I don't care what Dad says. Samuel says he grew in, in, in stature with knowledge and with men, he, he, and with, with the Lord and with men, he, he grew and, and he, he went forward, he heard what it he heard what Eli said. He listened, and he and he went forward. And let me tell you, um, you know that's with you know when you're training up kids. You know the, your hope is that that you're not just giving them instruction, right? It's not just about head knowledge. It's about a a heart change. That they are they are voluntarily submitting to your will. Not because you want to break them, but because you want them to learn to serve. And you want them to, to learn to, to do things with joy because ultimately what you're doing, and, and we learned this actually before we had kids, um, we had somebody come and speak to us and said, you know, what you're trying to do with your kids is to get them ultimately not to listen to you, but to listen to God. Because if they will, if if they will not rebel, and you get them to submit to your will, they are going to then submit to God's will. With Eli's two sons, they rebelled. With Samuel, he was he was submissive. He was um, he, he 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 put he. he he did what his dad said. He was there when his dad called. And with us, honoring a father, whether that is father in the natural, father in the faith, when we learn to listen to the father's voice, we're actually learning to listen to God's voice. And God will use that dad, one way or the other. He, you can, he, he will use that father to bring you a step closer to him. And to speak to you and to guide you, to direct you, to make sure that you're going in the right path. So when you learn to listen to that father, you'll learn to listen to God. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you will um, help us. Lord, for those who need a father in the faith, I pray that you'll provide one for them. Father, a mother, someone who um, can uh, give this sort of love and understanding, correction when needed. 
Lord, we honor the fathers today. Lord, I, I bless every father in here. And Lord, we bless you. We praise you. Lord, I ask that, that all of us would listen and be able to hear your voice. Hear your voice clearly. Know what is that you would have us to do. And Lord, I ask that you would Help each one of us to respond correctly to your voice. Lord, let us respond with love. Let us respond with obedience. Let us respond with submission. Let us respond with hope, with joy, with um, with grace. And Lord, I bless each person here this morning, everyone who's online listening. I ask, Lord, I, I speak a Father's blessing over every every person and every family that is connected here. A blessing for life, a blessing for health, a blessing for strength and prosperity, a blessing for hope and joy, a blessing for salvation for them and their household blessing for protection and anointing, Lord. I speak grace and peace. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Happy Father's Day again to all of the dads. If you're not a dad, if you are a, uh, a of the um, uh, ladies in the house, you know, love on a dad today. Love on your your own dad if you can't. Um, love on love on a dad, someone else's dad. All right, let them know that they're special. God bless you guys. We'll um we'll see you uh, on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm.